Welcome to the History of the Earth, a blog and podcast where we talk about all things geological. I'm your host, geologist Dick Gibson. You're listening to episode number 396. As near as I can tell, in the original daily series in 2014, I never addressed the topic of turbidity currents and their sedimentary product, turbidites but they account for the distribution of vast quantities of sediment on continental shelves and slopes and elsewhere. You know what turbid water is. That's water with a lot of suspended sediment, usually fine mud particles. In natural submarine environments, unconsolidated sediment contains a lot of water, and when a slurry-like package of sediment liquefies, it can flow down slopes under gravity, sometimes for hundreds of kilometers. It isn't really correct to think of these streams of water and sediment as similar to rivers except being on the seafloor. Rivers on land transport sediment, whether boulders or sand or silt or mud, through the traction, the friction, of the moving water. Turbidity flows are density flows, moving because the density of the water-sediment package is greater than the surrounding water. That means they can carry larger particles than usual. Sometimes a turbidity flow is triggered by something like an earthquake that liquefies the package, but they can also start simply because the material reaches a threshold above which gravity takes over and the material flows down slope. The amount and size of sediment the flow can carry depends on its speed, so as the flow diminishes and wanes, first the coarse, heavier particles settle out, followed by finer and finer sediments. This results in a sediment package characterized by graded bedding. The grain size grades from coarse at the bottom, with grains measuring several centimeters or more across, to sand, a couple millimeters and smaller, to silt, and finally to mud in the upper part of the package. Repeated turbidity flows create repeated sequences of graded bedding, and they can add up to many thousands of meters of total sedimentary rock called turbidites. Other sedimentary structures in turbidites can include ripple marks, the result of the flow over an earlier sediment surface, as well as sole marks, which are essentially gouges in the older, fine-grained top of a turbidite package caused by the newest, coarser grains and pebbles moving across it. There are variations, of course, but the standard package of sediment sizes and structures dominated by the graded bedding is called a Bauma sequence for Arnold Bauma, the sedimentologist who described them in the 1960s. Turbidity currents are pretty common on the edges of continental shelves where the seafloor begins to steepen into the continental slope and repeated turbidity flows can carve steep canyons in the shelf and slope. Where the flow bursts out onto the flatter, abyssal seafloor, huge volumes of sediment can accumulate, especially beyond the mouths of the great rivers of the world, which carry lots of sediment. When the flow is no longer constrained by a canyon or even a more gentle flow surface, the slurry tends to fan out, and the deposits are called deep abyssal ocean fans. They're often even shaped like a wide fan, with various branching channels distributing the sediment around the arms of the fan. 
The largest on Earth today is the Bengal fan offshore from the mouths of the Ganges and Brahmaputra rivers in India and Bangladesh. It's about 3,000 kilometers long, 1,400 kilometers wide, and more than 16 kilometers, more than 10 miles thick at its thickest point. It's the consequence of the collision between India and Eurasia and the uplift and dramatic erosion of the Himalaya mountains. The scientific value of turbidites includes a record of tectonic uplift and even of seismicity given that often turbidity currents are triggered by earthquakes. They also have economic value. Within the sequence of finding upward sediments, some portions are typically very well-sorted, clean sandstones. That means they have grains of uniform size and shape and not much other stuff to gum up the pores between the sand grains. So that makes them potentially very good reservoirs for oil and natural gas. You need the proper arrangements of source rocks, trapping mechanisms, and burial history too, of course, but deepwater turbidites are explored for specifically, and with success, in the Gulf of Mexico, North Sea, offshore Brazil and West Africa, and elsewhere. The Marlim fields offshore Brazil contained more than 4 billion barrels of producible oil reserves when they were discovered in the 1980s. Ancient turbidites sometimes serve as the host rocks for major gold deposits, such as those at Bendigo and Ballarat in Australia, which are among the top 10 gold producers on Earth. And now, the weather report for southern Germany during late Permian time 262 million years ago. Hot. That's it. Hot and dry. Be aware of the possibility of salt dust storms blowing from the Subkas and salt flats to the north. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again for more stories in the history of the Earth.